We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. I'm your host today, Jared Timms, and I'm joined alongside my co-host, my partner in crime today, Nate Green. Nate, happy 4th. I know we're a day behind here. Happy 4th. How you doing? I'm good. Happy 4th of July. It's, it's good to be here. America. Yes. <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. Um, tough, tough. Tough right now, right? You you call it tough. I call it expected. Well, I mean, it's 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 tough when you were eleven games over five hundred at one point, playing good baseball. Again, you you weren't you were excited, and I was cautiously optimistic. Using one of your words. Oh well, I mean, I was also cautiously optimistic. I think that though this team was playing very well, not a lot you can do. I don't know. I, I still don't know. We're gonna we're gonna break it down today, though. I really, really, I re- would really like to break it down because I think there there is interesting points to make about every spot of the Angels uh, as an organization, and it'll just kind of be interesting to see uh, where everything goes. We we have a lot to talk a lot, lots to break down. We might break this into two podcasts uh, just because we have a lot to talk about. I feel like I, I definitely do. Um, so, but first, before we get going, a word from our sponsors. Our sponsors are me, by the way. I like to say, you yeah. know. So, Blue Wire, Blue Wire, Blue Wire, Blue Wire, Blue Wire, Blue Wire. New Balance. They don't sponsor us, but I'm wearing their shirt, so I figured I'd throw that out there as well. Um, Blue Wire, as well. If you're looking to start a podcast, go ahead and uh, jump over to Blue Wire. They do a fantastic job for us here at Talking Halos, making us the best angels podcast out there. Um, really do believe it. Of course, guys, you can follow us on all our social medias. Just look up Talking Halos. You can follow myself on Twitter, Jared underscore Tims. Follow Nate and Nate Green 34 And guys, let's get this rolling here. Nate, I uh, sitting here thinking about it. Sitting thinking about all these all the transactions. You can, you know, you can talk about David McKinnon. You can talk about Mike Stefanik. You can talk about the Angels getting Jonathan VR. And 
And Tukey. Don't forget Tukey. Yes, and Tukey. But I don't think anybody has a huge expectation for him. Um, whereas people have decent expect had and have decent expectations for a guy like David McKinnon, 27-year-old who's making his debut. Mike Stefanik, undrafted free agent, and uh, Jonathan VR, somebody that was just uh, released by the Cubs and uh, Angels picked him up. So um, it got me. It got me thinking. I was like, "Why? What is there a certain pers- perspective that people get? Angels fans get, whether it's from the writers or whether it's from uh, ownership or you know coaches and such like that. That's these guys think that they're that fans think that they're going to overperform. You know, and and you look at it. I mentioned. I brought it up to you as Jonathan VR, probably not a leadoff hitter by any means. You know, the Angels have a decent one, two, three, four in their lineup. They've struggled in the bottom half of their order. Um, the Angels pick up Jonathan VR after getting DFA'd from the Cubs and put him in the leadoff spot. I don't have – I'm okay with it. It's fine. But do you think that puts perspective that Jonathan VR is all of a sudden the savior? Same thing goes with Mike Stefanik, the guy who absolutely crushes it. Um, and I'll take a little bit of blame for that because I've always uh, promoted Stefanik uh, in a good way because it's an awesome story. Um, and he proceeds to come up and strike out three times. Um, we'll get into the striking out three times thing because I think there's a lot to talk about on that side of things as well. Um, but, you know, do, do you think that – what do you – you get what I'm getting at here? Like I think yeah, that I, there's just I, I think there's three problems, problems. And, and they all kind of go together. I think the first problem, okay, it is other teams. Other teams call up guys, and those guys go off. You look at teams like the Dodgers. The Dodgers call up a guy who, you know, 24, 25, 26, 27 years old, hasn't really been a name at all, and then all of a sudden goes off, and it's like, who the heck is this guy? Um, you look at teams like Oakland or even Houston or Atlanta, and you look at all these teams, they keep calling up guys and they keep producing. Sometimes for very short stretches, but they produce. So I think that's problem one, is we look around the league and we see other teams calling up random guys, and those random guys go off. Maybe it's only for a week or two, but those guys still go off. I think the second problem is Angel fans overvalue their prospects. I I do. I think... Part of that is they don't understand that AAA, if you hit the ball in the air, the ball's gone. Um, so everyone in AAA should have good numbers. If you don't have good numbers in AAA, then there's a real problem because then you're really not that good of a hitter. Um, so I think that's problem too, is the Angels and their fans look at the system and go, oh man, like we've, we've got really good players. Like we, We're probably a top 8 to 10 system. It's like, mm, no. No, we're not. You, you look at Tampa Bay, you look at Atlanta, you look at um, San Diego, you, you, the list goes on and on. And, you know, the Angels are probably closer to that 20 to 25 range, maybe even the later 25 range, if you really want to get honest with yourselves. Um, side, so side, think, note, side note question. Is Stefanik being, I have him at 22, and McKinnon being at 34 feasible? Is that, is that acceptable? Not, a, no, not top 10 guys, correct? No, that's fine. I, I don't have a problem with, with that. I just mm-hmm. think that, you know, people hear, oh, the Angels are calling someone up. They look at the AAA numbers. They go, oh, my gosh, this guy rakes. And, oh, they're not even in our top 10. Our top 10 is one of the best in baseball. Like, we're top 
top 10 in baseball when it comes to prospects. So if these guys aren't even in our top 10 and they're raking, then we just might have called up one of the best players ever. And so I, I think that's kind of problem too. And I think the last problem is development, honestly. Like there's always going to be hype around calling up a kid, whether he is 22, 27, whatever. Um, but I think we need to understand that development takes time. And part of the development process is playing in the big leagues. So yes, I, I do think that is a problem with angel fans and with everyone in general that, you know, we get a guy and it's like, Oh my gosh, this guy's just about to save our season. And it's like, mm, Dave McKinnon's never been in the bigs before he's 27 years old. There's a reason for that. Um, yes, I understand there are a couple late bloomers and it happens, but like, it's not something that you want to, you know, put a lot of money on and just be like, oh, this guy's going to change our franchise. Uh, same thing with Stefanik. You're not going to get a bunch of guys that are undrafted to become all-stars. It happens, you know. I think Matt Palmer was was the last angel to do that, if I remember correctly. Um, yes, yeah, so it, it does happen. But, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is – the hype around it from, and yes, I would say there is some hype from from uh, media members that make it sound like Stefanik is the next Dustin Pedroia's from is what I'm hearing. Um, he he's a good player, but I think if you compared him to like David Fletcher, I don't know if there's as much hype. I think it's like, oh, cool, we we got a solid role player. But when you compare him to Dustin Pedroia, who's won an MVP, won a World Series, and things like that, then everyone's like, this team is legit. So I, I think there's three problems. Question for you on top of that. You mentioned other teams being being kind of an issue. Um, we'll get into the scouting side of things and we'll get into everything in general because I think I'll, there's four things I want to break down. Um, kind of interesting question that I've been thinking about. I kind of asked you about it. If you put the Angels, this 40-man this 40 40 man group, on in Houston or in New York, um, San Francisco, LA, Tampa, are they a playoff team? No, it's close. They're they're closer to 500. Um, I I don't, any team that starts a guy hitting 170 with a WRC plus of 30 every day can't be a playoff team. Well, here's, here's, here's my thing. You, you put this ball click side because I truly do believe that, you look at Tampa, you look at uh, the Dodgers, you look at teams that have been good and are good. Uh, you, you look at those teams and they consistently make players better. They know when to get rid of players. Like I, I was cautiously optimistic with Tyler Wade, Andrew Velasquez being DFA'd from the Yankees. Like we knew, you know, you knew they were going to be okay. You know, you knew what you were getting out of Tyler Wade and he was exactly what, Angel Scott, you know, you know what you're getting out of, out of Andrew Velasquez. You know, we, we knew he wasn't going to hit and we knew he was going to play good defense. And if he found his way to playing every day, this team's in trouble. And Hey, weird look where they're at. Um, you know, so I think that it's, it's tough. It's a tough question when you think about it. Like if you put the angels in a different uniform and you put them in a completely different organization, I think that they, I think that they are a good team because good teams make, good players and you mentioned development you know like somehow like joe adele joe adele is gonna be fine as an angel i think 
But if he goes to another team, he's going to go off because it's a development thing. You know, I think the angels just can't figure out how to get from triple A to the majors. And I don't know why I can't, I can't figure out why, you know, there's a lot of theories out there, but I just don't know. I don't know why you can't, I I can't, you know, you can't blame. I don't think Matt wise does anything like, you know, not a good way and not a bad way. Like Matt wise is a, coach like he doesn't do he doesn't do anything phil nevin phil nevin doesn't do anything you know like those guys i don't think they do anything to you know either a make the team better or b make the team worse you know they just put the lineups out there like i i think they I think are they a, preach a philosophy from the top down yeah. which is part of the problem i think the philosophy is not great but we'll get into that in a little bit i know um i, I do think that anytime you have a guy with a wrc plus of 30 starting every day there's a problem and you can put the Angels in the Yankees uniform. You can put them in the Astros uniform. You can put them in the Dodger uniform. They're not a playoff team right now when you have a guy who plays every day with a WRC plus of 30. So, yes, the those teams probably would have made a change by now and found someone to play every day. Absolutely. Um, but if we're taking this exact same 40-man roster and there's no changes, th- no. No. And you look, Velasquez was the same hitter in the in New York as he has been in, in Anaheim. Maybe he's been a little bit worse in Anaheim, but, I mean, it's not a lot worse. So, yes, I, I, I can't stress it enough. You can't have a guy who is thir- 70 points below league average as a hitter. 70, 70%, actually. Yeah, 70%. Thank you. 70% below a league average hitter. It, it just can't happen. So... Um, yes, the Angels would be much better. Don't get me wrong. They would be a lot better in any of those uniforms because those guys know what they're doing, it feels like. It feels like they... Um, know when to make changes. They do. And it feels like they get the best out of their guys every single day. And it doesn't feel like the Angels get the best out of their guys every single day. So I, I think that is a, a very good point. Definitely. So... Let's get on to what you know. I actually want to talk about. I, I mentioned it to you. I texted you. I was like, I just I want to have a podcast that we break down basically the four pillars of a major league organization, and that's ownership, and that's the front office, that's management, and that's the players. So I, I want to break those four down as best as we can. If it takes two podcasts, I'm gonna go with that because I think we're gonna have a lot to talk about, um, and it's really interesting to, to to talk about this and break these down because I. I don't have an answer. Like, and I know you, you know, you, you, you blame one of these pillars, but you look at it and two you, of them. I mean, you can blame all four, four of the pillars if you really want. Like I start, let's start with Artie, right? Yep. Let's start there. So somebody mentioned this, uh, on Twitter the other day and Shohei Otani's had four different managers, five of six, technically, if you count the, three that he's been four that he's been through this year, Bill Hasselman and those guys, technically, if you want to, if you want to go there, he's, he's had four managers uh, in Socha, Osmus, Madden, and now Nevin. He's gone through three GMs, if I'm not mistaken, maybe two. I thought somebody said three. I think it's two. No, two because GMs. It's going to be three it, pretty soon. It was, just, it was just Billy who got him. Billy was the only one who got two him. GMs. And he's gone through how many pitching coaches? Right, I think that starts at the very, very top with Artie Moreno. As weird as that sounds, 
when Artie Moreno and, and it and it trickles down through the through the organization as well. When when Artie doesn't and this is not a knock, and this is actually a knock against Artie, but shouldn't be taken really as a knock. When Artie doesn't pay people correctly, and whether that's minor leaguers, whether that's coaching staff, it's hard to keep guys around. It's hard to keep guys happy, and it's hard to continue to develop. Correct? That's 100% true. So it does start at the top with Artie. Can you give him all the blame? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. not. No. He is, let's talk about Artie a little bit. We'll just start with he is a New York GM in Anaheim. And, yeah. and let me clarify what I'm what I'm saying here. New York GMs are very, very high profile, or excuse me, owners. New York owners are very, very high profile. It is all about them. It is not all about the success of anyone else. When you look at the Yankees, everyone knows who their owners, right? You look at the Mets, everyone knows who their owners. The owners are very, very involved. You look at other sports. Everyone knows the New York Knicks owner. Some people will say the New York Knicks owner is one of the worst owners in professional sports. Okay. Cowboys. Sure. Let's, let's go Cowboys. Come on, Jerry Jones. Everybody knows who Jerry, Jerry Jones is. Oh, yeah. Every, everyone knows Jerry Jones. But, but I'm just saying, the, the Knicks owner, he, very well outspoken, tries to make decisions. I mean, he hired a a guy's dad to make sure he got that player on his team. And that player is someone that maybe half of the planet doesn't even know he plays basketball. So that's probably not good, but NFL, you look at the jets and giants, always very well known owners there as well. have not had a lot of success, especially since they put their hands on the roster decisions and things like that. Artie Marino wants to put his fingerprints all over the roster decisions, all over everything he possibly can to show that he knows what he is doing. Or maybe it's just one of those businessman things where it's, hey, I don't trust anyone. I want to get it done right. And I know if I, I will get it done right. So that that is a, a big problem with Artie, where he just wants total control of something he is not 100% in the loop on, shall we say. With control, I'm going to ask kind of a difficult question here. With control, do you think that Artie Moreno truly likes baseball, or do you think that owning a baseball team is a status quo for him? Not a status quo, but like a status thing. Like, hey, look at me. I own a baseball team. I I actually think it's the status thing. Um, I I don't – he doesn't show up to many games. Um, I think he enjoyed baseball at one point. When he first owned the team, I think it was like, I really enjoy baseball. Because he was at, like, do you remember? I don't know if you remember this or not. But, like, when the Angels, when Artie bought the team, he would go sit in the upper deck and talk with fans. I don't know if you yeah, remember that or not. I do remember that. Like, it, it was all about the fan. And now it's, it's not. So, I, I, to answer my question, and I'll let you answer it too, I think that he liked baseball at first. And then I think it turned into a business and I think he tried to make money instead of knowing that baseball is going to make you money because baseball, it's all, it's all ever growing. It's an evergreen tree. You know, it's all, it's always green. It's always going to be growing. You're always going to be making money if you're winning <laughs> and the angels aren't winning. So, but go ahead. I mean, even if you're not winning, you'll still make money. But yeah. I, I think Artie Marino, 
I don't think he ever truly enjoyed baseball. I think maybe he, he liked watching baseball and, and knew that it was going to be a very good investment, but I don't think he ever truly, truly enjoyed baseball. I think he's always had in the back of his mind, his five-year plan, his 10-year plan, and his 20-year plan of, okay, I want to buy the team and then I want to buy the area around it. I want to make the area around it my area and kind of build an own downtown Anaheim. Like he's already had, that was one of his plans. One of his plans was I want to buy the team and I want a second team in Arizona. So maybe I moved the team to Arizona. So there's two teams in Arizona. He's always had these kind of plans and, and ideas. So I think he's always been the guy to be like, Hey, let me buy this team and let me start to start to be a businessman and make money and show everyone how, good of a businessman I am. I think that's honestly where it's at. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, um, I think it starts with Artie doing what an owner should do and not, I don't want to get political in it because I, we don't do politics. Um, I think that Artie needs to get back to his ways of what he was before. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Um, and we'll see, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens five, 10 years down the road with the angels and then the angels are in a tough spot right now. They've been in a tough spot for the past 10 years of Mike Trout's, you know, tenure here. Uh, so it, it, it does get tough. Let's, let's go ahead and move on to front office. This is where, so like you can put, if we're going to put percentages of blame on people, let's go, let's, let's do this. What percentage, let's start with already. What percentage of blame? Do you put this entire thing on? Fifty percent. Fifty percent. I I go fifty percent. It's half of this is his. Well, he's to be yeah. fair, he is making the decisions. He is the one who is telling the GM who to who to get. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, he is also the one who hired the GM, and then the GM hires everyone else. So I think that already gets half the blame. That's fine. You sold you you sold me on that. I was I was gonna say closer to like forty, but fifty's fine. Okay. Oh, 50. yeah, we, I, I yeah. thought you were like twenty five, thirty. Uh, like, oh, now we're. I was gonna say thirty five at the lowest, and then I was like, that's eh, probably forty. But you, you can sell you can sell me on fifty, um, just 50. because and only because Artie's been here the longest. That's true. That's what they, you know. You look at you look at longevity, and we always say like, oh, I want to be the Dodgers. Oh, you want to be the Astros. You want to be the Rays, the Yankees. Teams have been good for a while, and Artie's been here for a long time. You know very long time and and it's and ever it's it's just it's just a giant circle at this point you know every single year it's it's the same thing it's it's the definition of insanity uh doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results so yeah i i give you 50 percent just because it's ever it's it's been happening for 10 12 years now so let's go ahead and get on to perry and staff the front office this is where i put more of the blame. So 50% this is why I was going to put 40 because I was going to say 30% on, on the front office. I'm still giving 30% on the front office. My answer was going to be 50, 30, 15, five. That, that's about where I was. At. I was going to put five on assuming you're putting five on management players. I was going five on the players. Players got to play. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Let's Thank get you. to Let's get the parent staff. Let's get the parent staff. This is where, again, I, I, I firmly agree with you. Um, and I don't think we're going to, I think this is kind of something that you look at as Jerry 
and Billy and Perry, you know, not just as a Perry thing, you know, because they all did have parts like Jerry, Jerry did his thing and that was Artie as well. But Jerry did his thing to just completely, you know, he went out and made a lot of trades and a lot of interesting moves, you know, which, which is fine if, if you're winning, but the Angels weren't winning. So um, then you go to you go to Billy, and I, I, I liked what Billy was doing. You know, he was following a plan. It made sense. Um, I don't know how much control he had, but he, he had a plan, and it made sense to me. And then you get to Perry, and, and not, not a lot makes sense to me about what's going on, which could be a good thing. I've said this a lot. If it doesn't make sense to me, it could it could work, you know, because um, what's made sense hasn't worked. But um, but the thing that gets me the most, and this is why I think this team is losing and losing so bad. And you look at the Angels against first place teams this year; they are four and fifteen, um, which is brutal, by the way. That's Astros, the Dodgers, the Mets, and the Yankees, four and fifteen. Um, and you watch those teams. And every time I watch those teams, the thing that sticks out the most to me is that the Angels don't just get beat. They get throttled. Like, they, it's, it's almost like those teams know what's, what's happening, you know, before the Angels do. It's like they can see the future and the Angels are sitting here like three steps behind them. And, and you're like, just why is outplayed? It? Yeah. They get- they get, they get out-organized or organizationed, if that makes sense. Like, everything about them is just – like, you, you watch the Angels play the Astros and, and the Yankees. Those two in particular, those two, these two series when the, Astros, when the Angels-Astros play and the Angels-Yankees play, it's like, they're, it's like different leagues. It's like watching the Angels as, a, as newly drafted college guys come in and play the freaking Bronx Bombers. Like, that's, that's what it feels like to me when they're playing. Like – that's how good of a front office those organizations have compared. And the Dodgers, too. The Dodgers, especially. And this, this year, it's been completely evident to me. Like, there have been years in the past where I'm like, oh, you know, like some of this stuff doesn't like, why? That's weird. Um, but this year has made it 100% evident to me that the scouting department is just not up to par. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. But, like, we've, talk, we've talked about this before, you know. It's like it's like going to a game with no scouting report compared to going to a game with like a like you watch you've seen them you know what these pitchers are doing you have a report on these guys that's what it seems like it seems like the Angels are coming into some of these games without a report on anything like Stefanik Mike Stefanik Mike Stefanik hasn't and and this is might be a bad example Mike Stefanik didn't strike out at all in the minors not very very few very few goes goes to Houston strikes out three times. You know what that tells me? First off, he's probably a little bit overmatched, which is fine. You expect that out of a guy. But second off, you expect him to put bat on ball a little bit and not strike out that much. I, I think they, that Houston had an unbelievable report on him. You know, like that, that's what I think. I think he's going, I think Stefano's going to go to Miami and he's going to be, he's going to hit a little bit. Like he's not going to be this big strikeout guy. But I, I just think that, I, that this is where I think that the Angels in general, lack tremendously. And I'm not saying that this team is an, is an all-star team by any means or a, a playoff team or by any means, but this is why I asked you if you put the Angels in a different organization, if they're a good team. Because I think that scouting department is, is so far behind that, I, 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 that, that that's where I stand. I don't know what you think about it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, bring, I'll bring up one other 
thing that I think is more relevant to uh, the scouting department because like Stefanik, yeah, probably a little bit overmatched. Um, Trout doesn't see the ball well in Houston. It could just be something where it's tough to see the ball well in Houston, honestly, if you haven't played there often. So I will give him a pass. Um, But I will bring up another Houston game. It was early on at home. Fletcher's hitting. The right fielder is playing two steps from the line. Yes. Two steps from the line. And not very – I mean, we, so we watched Angels daily, like every game we watched Angels. And we know we, – that, that's how I'd play – that's how I'd play David Oh, Fletcher. yeah, that's – I play that's him on 100%, the line. That's 100% how you play in, You would play him like, Oppo in the air yep. with like three steps from the line and right. You yep. would put your center fielder in right center and you'd put your left fielder in left center and say, beat me. Yep. I dare you to pull the ball. Yeah, and you probably play and you, and you probably play your infield pretty straight up because he kind of yeah. gets all over the place. Yeah, that's fine. So, but, but yes, I agree. That was definitely one of the points. Yeah, that's when it started. That's that's honestly kind of when it started. He hits a line drive down the line, and everyone's like, "Oh, that's a knock!" And the right fielder goes catches it without even moving, yeah. and it's like, "Oh boy, th- there's a problem." That's when that's when you, I, that's when I started looking watching it too. I was like, "That th- that's just kind of a step ahead." Like it was it was. One of the first, like David Fletcher was hitting all these little like bloop doubles, bloop double, bloop double, and nobody was figuring out what. Like nobody could, nobody put anybody over there. And then Houston, all of a sudden, puts somebody right in that spot, and I'm like, oh, there's another double for for Fletcher, and then it doesn't drop in, and I'm like, oh, huh, that's weird, right? You know, like that's that's when it really started clicking for me. I was like, oh, this is there's something there's something a little different going on here for sure. Um, another another move, and this was against the White Sox, which I don't know what if the White Sox. I'm sure the White Sox have a pretty good scouting department. But the whole Elvis Piguero thing with Mike Trout in center field, yep. you know this? Yep. Yeah, that, that, that's another thing. It's like, how are you not – like, you're, you're scouting. How, how, how does your, your own – seeing this? Yeah, how does your own person not see this? Like, let alone yeah. the other team. The other team probably sees it. But, like – Yeah, from a step a – step, like, take a step back. Like, I'm not even pointing this at Matt Wise because I don't think – I don't know. Like, I mean, yes, Matt Wise probably should see this in video. No, he like, should see this. Hundred percent. But like, how doesn't this get brought up? Like, you know, like someone uh, you, you got to be able to see it. Like, your center fielder shouldn't be able to see it. Like, I mean, he should, but like, you get know what I'm saying, right? Like, it shouldn't be. Field, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be him. Yeah. No, hundred percent. So that's and, and I mean, if you want to, I want to be straight, straight, straight up here with you. If you want to put forty percent on the scouting department, I'm cool with that too. You know, I'm gonna stay with my thirty. That's fine. You know, and, and five five, but not ten ten. But yeah, but yeah. I mean, that's kind of that's that's where I lie, and I think that's kind of where, um, that's where it's tough for me. You know, that's, so the scouting department on top of Perry, I'm I am a big believer that this is partly Perry's fault. Perry's the one who didn't want to go get a shortstop. He he said, I'm going to be smarter than everyone else, and I'm going to go get Andrew Velasquez, and he's going to play shortstop for us basically every day. Um, I'm going to be smarter than everyone else. And I'm, you know, going to put Michael Lorenzo in the starting rotation, Noah Syndergaard in the starting rotation, and I'm not going to have anyone else behind him. There's no minor league deals for pitchers. It's going to be those two guys. And then I, I drafted 20 pitchers last year. So I know for sure I'm going to have one or two of those guys ready uh, in case something happens. Because honestly, if you want to be honest with yourselves, if you have a six-man rotation – you're going to need at least 10 pitchers that are ready to pitch in the big leagues if you want to be a playoff team because there's always going to be injuries. There's always, always, always going to be injuries on the pitching staff. So, um, or, or there's just going to be a guy or two who doesn't pitch well. So you're always going to need depth. 
and I'm I'm a hundred percent on the Blaine Perry train because this roster is not very well put together. He he had a lot of money to put a very good roster on on this field. He had money. This is the first time in a long time the Angels had money to put to put a good roster on the field. I don't think he spent his money wisely. I don't think he spent his his money on positional need. He spent too much money on bullpen use when Aaron Loop and Ryan DePera, Ryan DePera is very, very average. Nothing. I can find that guy for a minor league deal 15 times a week. Yeah, not, I can find that guy DFA'd every other week. Not being put in the correct spots is my thing. Like Aaron Loop is not your eighth inning guy. Ryan DePera, Ryan DePera when, you pay, them, when you pay them $8 million, she is. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no. that guy's eight million dollars. He is. I, I do. I do agree. I agree. So I, you got to put those guys. You're paying right those guys eight million dollars. Right spot. Those aren't eight million dollar players. The Dodgers aren't paying those guys that money. The Rays aren't paying those guys that money. Yeah, go ahead, Andrew Heaney. He's a starter. Paid him eight million dollars though. And he's starting for them. He has started for them when he's healthy. He has been a starter. What was our prediction for Andrew Heaney? Minor league, he, minor league contract. Yeah, I, I thought it was going to be a minor league. I thought it was going to be a minor league deal. Yeah. But you can't tell me that the Dodgers are paying $9 million for Aaron Loop. No, because you they can't tell me. Guys. You cannot tell me they're paying Ryan Tapera, who has been a very average pitcher that you can find DFA'd every other week, $8 million. Here's the, diff- here's the difference here. So it, $8 million for Ryan Tapera. The Mets turned Aaron Loop into, and the Rays turned Aaron Loop into what he was off of nothing, off a minor league deal. Ryan Tapera was turned into what he was off of a minor league deal, right? Uh, the Cubs had him the whole you, time. Got, so. You know what I'm saying, though, right? Like off a low salary contract. Yeah. Yep. You need to you need to develop. Angels doing oh, Angels doing a okay job of development. Especially pitching down the minors, there's some interesting things going on, right? Not spending 16 million dollars on two relievers that have been very average throughout their entire career. I'm blaming Perry. 16 million dollars. That is one pitcher. That is one good pitcher. Or you go get a shortstop. It's fair. It's fair to say that he was pressured, correct? Just a little bit by the 50 percent. Pressured to get relief pitching? No. I, I could understand. I could understand if we got starters. Like if we got two more starters and paid and and paid two guys eight million dollars and said, okay, so we're gonna give you know another Jose Quintana type of deal where we give two guys eight million dollars and it's like now we have eight pitchers that have big league experience and like fine I, I can understand that being pressure from upper management but to go get two relievers when the bullpen has actually been decent and they had success last year going to get Steve Ciszek and. Um, Tony Watson on minor league deals? No, no, I'm out. Sorry. That is that's fair with me. That's fine. I I I can't disagree, especially with the way the season's gone. I I do need to remind everybody that bullpens are volatile. <laughs> like you know, like next year the Angels have Tapera and Loop and Iglesias again. That could be one of the best trios. Though I think they need an eighth inning guy at least. You know, you got to go get another bullpen piece, which. Angels have the makings of, and we'll talk about we'll talk about that on the next podcast. I don't want to I don't want to jump into too much here. We've already gone long enough. So, Nate, you got any final thoughts? 
Can't wait for the next one. Tune in to the next one because I'm sure this will get a lot more heated when we talk about the next two pillars. Will we be called racist again for for attempting to trade Shohei Otani? I hope not. Or do you think the fans are finally jumping on board with us? I think a lot of people are starting to jump on that bandwagon. I think they, they realize it's time. Um, You're putting it out the, there. It's a good way. The Angels aren't going to re-sign him. He is not going to re-sign with a team who's, who continues to finish under 500. By the way, if you want to get technical, last team to finish over 500, or the last team to have not finished over 500, Angels. Angels are every other team in baseball has finished over 500 one time before the Angels have. At least not the Mariners. So, guys, as always, want to thank you so much for <laughs> – you see what I did there? Yeah, you're <laughs> – oh, that's good. I know. I know. All right, all right, all right, all right. So, all right, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast here, Talking Halo Skin, making us the best podcast out there. Um, tune into the next one. We're going to just dive deep, deep, deep into management, deep into the players. We have a, we have a way to make this team a little bit better. I'm excited. We, we, me, and Nate, me and Nate have turned into GMs here. Um, by the way, we – me and Nate, on side note, uh, been right about the VR and uh, Tukey. Uh, those are the two guys, right, when they we saw they were available. It was like, yep, that makes sense. Go get them. Uh, not because they're going to make the team better, but because they're interesting guys. Like, this is what this is what we want. So um, tune in for the next one. It's going to be an absolute blast talking, um, seeing what, what we can do as GM, seeing, you know, all that fun stuff. So follow us on all our social medias. Again, uh, subscribe wherever you're listening or watching. You can follow myself on Twitter, Jared underscore Tim. You can follow Nate at NateGreen34. And guys, thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.